says we are. Today, um, and this month, um, I've just, I've got just some different messages this month that I'm going to be ministering to you. Next week, we have a really good word for Mother's Day that I think you'll be blessed and as you were encouraged to do, bring your mother or bring someone's mother, bring, bring a mother. Amen? Find a mother and bring her. <clears throat> and, uh, but because she'll, she'll be blessed. We, got, we have a really good word. But this month, instead of a series, I've just got some words to speak to you out of my heart. And um, today, um, the, title of my, uh, the title of my message is live free, to live free, to be free, to be alive in God and to be free. Um, what, is that, what, is, what does that look like? I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a short, to the point statement, live free, but what does it mean to be alive in God and to, to be free in your life and to be liberated? And... Um, <clears throat> You know, when, when I was first born again, I had lived 18 years with virtually no word or no understanding of the things of God. I'd lived that long. And I got saved, and yet, after I was saved, you know, when, when you get born again, your spirit man is what is an infant. But all the thoughts in your mind don't change. And the things that your body did, you know, I was smoking reefer before I got saved, and the day after I was still smoking it. And that, that's just what everybody did. That was the life I lived, and everybody around me did it, so everybody did it. And so over a short period of time, I just I got rid of it because I found something. In, in Christ, I found something in Him that caused me to want a different life. So the changes I made were not based on, well, you, you can't do that, and you can't do this, and you, you, you know, if you do that, then you can't be saved. I, no, one, no one taught me that. I thank God for the people that put the Word in me in the beginning and taught me that once you get born again and you really believe it, you're born again. And, and making certain mistakes aren't going to rob you of that. And so the changes in the, in the last 40 plus years of my salvation, the changes that I've made are changes that I've made by choice to get free of things along the way. And the key to being free is believing. The, the key to to operating in things that are God's will, or are you, get, you getting the information, number one, and then you taking enough time and spending enough time finding out that what it says in the Word is true, but, but breaking it down to where you get it, where you really believe it. And this month I'm just going to talk about some key things Next week will be a little bit different, but the rest of this month, I'm going to just talk about some key things that you and I have to purpose. 
to believe and live in it and operate in it so that we can be people that are free. Physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, and in every way that we're free people. Because we believe it based on what the Word says. So you know, if I'm going to share things like that, I've I got I to read some Scripture, right? Because it's not good enough if I'm just giving you my opinion. I've got to share with you what the Word says. Now, as I, as I share things, how, how many believe, how many honestly, don't raise your hand if you don't believe this honestly, how, how many believe honestly that as your pastor, that I never get behind the pulpit and bring you a word with an ulterior motive? How many believe that? I don't have some alter motive trying to fix something or change something or try to get you to do something. I'm bringing the word based on what God says is true so that it'll liberate and make you free. I hope you believe that. Because the, 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 the issue is when, when I pray... Because of the office that I operate and stand in in the fivefold ministry as, as an, as an under-shepherd, as a, as a pastor in the fivefold ministry, when I pray about services, God speaks to me about what He once said. So what I am is just a mouth coming from obedience to what I believe He told me to preach and to bring, and then I just have to deliver that. And I've done that for 30 years here, and we're just going to continue to do it, but even to another level, to another height. I'm more excited today about what God is doing in the earth than I ever have been. And, and, and it's because of what the way that I see the church as a whole getting revelation and doing something with it. But here's the deal. If everything that we do in life is just about us, and everything in life just has to be centered around me personally, or, I, or I'm not going to be okay, and I'm not going to advance, and I'm not going to be excited, if it's just about me, we got to get rid of that. You do, I do, we all do. I, I can't live my life just for me. In fact, the more you have control and a hold of your life, the less God can do. But the more you're living your life to give, you are created to live to give. And when you live your life to give to others around you and be a blessing to people around you, it opens the door for God to reveal to you the steps you're to take for yourself. Not me just trying to navigate and figure it out. You're not a good navigator for your life. God needs to be the one speaking to you what to do. Now, we've, we've got to navigate. We've got to take the steps and move forward. But it's got to be under the direction of God. It has to be. And we have to learn things along the way that 
and, and I've noticed this, there's times in your life when your life will kind of come to a halt because God knows you need to believe a certain area of the word to be able to move forward and be effective. And that's not a bad thing. And so today I'm just sharing with you a couple of th- two things, and, and it's not anything that we've not talked about, we talk about a lot, but I just want to go a little bit deeper with it and, and look at a couple things today. Um, the first thing that I'm talking about is the tithe. Um, I read this verse earlier as we were receiving offerings, and it's in Leviticus 27.30, and it says, And all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. It's set apart. Something that we choose and decide to do. In Malachi chapter 3, the passage that we read all the time concerning the tithe, I want to back up just a couple of, or three or four verses. I want to read from verse 6 on. And the Lord's talking to Israel in that day, and they had they had become discouraged, and in their discouragement because of certain things that had happened in the nation, they began to choose to do things in a different way. And they began to back off from God's ways of doing because the tithe has been something that has been God's will from the Garden of Eden. We see the tithe in the Garden of Eden. And We've seen it, we've talked about this many, many times, I'm not going to go into all that detail today, but there's something that, that God keeps saying to me about a tither who tithes. You, you, you can't be a, a tither unless you believe in tithing. And God said to this people, And I believe it still stands true to to today. God said, for I am the Lord and I do not change. If the tithe was in the garden and the tithe was with Abraham and the tithe was during the law and we see the tithe in, in the New Testament, then God has never changed where the tithe is concerned. He said, Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob, yet from the days of your fathers you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. How can Malachi say that? To the people is Malachi uh, ha- had the had the funds of the temple just gotten low, and so Malachi's sweating it out, and he's telling uh, the the people, uh, "Man, you you just need to give more. You you need to bring the tithe because he's sweating it out." No, things began to happen in the nation that that were destructive to the people because what did Leviticus say? The tithe belongs to the Lord, and it's holy. It's set apart. 
That's how Malachi could say to the people, you've robbed me. That God said, you've robbed me. Because the people had cried out, why are all these things happening to us? This is why. Because they had robbed God. In other words, what belonged to Him, they weren't honoring Him with. You're cursed with a curse because of the tithes and offerings. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. Now, what there is in this passage is one thing, and there isn't something else. What he didn't say here is if you brought the tithe, that all these different blessings and things would come to you. He didn't say that. What he said was this. If you honor God with what belongs to him, then his blessing will remain on your life. There's an exchange that's involved in that. There's an exchange. It's not, I'm bringing my tithe to pay God to make God happy with me. No, 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 no. I'm honoring God with something that He said belongs to Him, and what it's putting on me is the empowerment to advance and prosper in everything I do. Physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, and in every way, it's empowering me. That's why I said earlier during the offering, there's no safer place to live on planet earth than under the covering of the tithe. But there's, there's, not a, there's probably not a, well, probably not the most frustrating, but one of the most frustrating places to live is trying to be a tither and not believe it. You don't want to do that. You want to see it for yourself and then do it. You want to see it because God said it, and then you operate in it and watch what God will do. Watch what he'll do. Watch how things will happen. One day I was in, uh, I was in Virginia Beach at Wave Conference one year. And um, Dr. Avanzini was with me and I was kind of taking him around. And he had not been to that conference before, so he was sitting with me. And I just went with him different places. And... and um, he had a driver that was coming to pick him up, and we were standing in front of the church. And uh, this guy walks up, and uh, he's, he's tattooed out, this guy is, and he's got a long ponytail. <laughs> he walks up to Dr. Avanzini, he goes, he said, are you John Avanzini? And Dr. Avanzini's always good this way. He looks at him, he says, I don't know why. <laughs> He said, uh, well, I just, something really amazing has happened in my life as a result of your teaching, and I wanted to just say something to you. He said, yeah, I'm John Evans. <laughs> and uh, he goes, uh, he said, you know, one day, so, so, this is a long story short. He said, one day, um, 
He said, my wife was hearing your teaching. He said, I own a bar down on the beach. And he said, my wife was listening to your teaching, and she came home and said, honey, I heard this guy on Christian television, and uh, we need to tithe. And he goes, you're nuts. What do you mean? What, what, what's, a, what's a tithe? You know, and so she began to tell him what she heard, and so she did that. And, and so she purposed to do it, so whatever money she had, she tithed. So one day she came home and said, and he was struggling in the business. It wasn't doing well. I said, honey, if you'll tithe, things will change. That's what, that's what they told me. And this guy's telling Dr. Avanzini this. And so he came the next week, and he said, you know, this is stupid, but I'm taking the tithe off my business, and I'm going to give it wherever. To the, I'm, I'm going to tithe to the church or where his wife was going. And he did, and the next week, his business tripled. You say, God's going to prosper a bar? Dang right. Huh? It's a principle. It's a principle. <laughs> this guy pulls his phone out and he goes, he said, you see this picture of you? It was Dr. Evans. He looked like a picture off of television or something like that. He said, you see this picture of you? He said, yeah. He said, I framed it and it's in my bar. He said, I hope you don't mind that I, your picture's hanging. And he goes, I don't mind. He said, I don't mind at all. And you know what this guy told him? He said, I just want you to know, I know I have a bar, and alcohol can lead to other things. And he said, I don't let anybody leave my bar with a set of keys in their hand if they've been drinking too much. He said, we take people home. He said, we're doing everything. And he said, actually, he said, my business has so prospered and advanced. He said, it's just, it's off the chart because I became a tither because of what you shared. And he said, he said, what I did, what, what that was, my wife told me this. And so I thought I'm going to challenge her and show her things are going to be worse because I'm tithing. And what happened was he took the challenge, he didn't even realize it, he took the challenge of Malachi 3 and 10. He said, prove me that I'll not open up the windows of heaven, pour out blessing, there's not room enough to receive. And it happened for him. You know what? Same things happened to me. How many other people in here can say there have been times when you struggled with that, but you did it anyway, and, and, and God's blessing and empowerment's been on your life as a result? Because it works. Yes. It works. It's a truth in God's Word. I've had person after person after person come to me through the years. I, I had a guy one time come and he, and he said, uh, Pastor, he said, you know, I really like what you teach, but I just want you to know I don't tithe. I said, okay. He said, you, like, you, you're not going to tell me I can't come? I said, what did I do that for? He said, come and hear the Word. But I said, just be aware we receive tithes and we teach on tithes. So don't get freaked out when you hear it, but just keep coming. And I've had a number of people leave the church because they didn't believe in tithing. Came and told me, had a meeting with me and just said, I'm leaving the church because you teach on the tithe. And I had to look at them and it hurt my heart for them. But I had to look at them and I said, I'm thinking, 
I, I, this one guy I, that, that said that to me, I, I looked at him and I said, do you think I believe in the tithe? He said, I know you do. I said, okay, just making sure. I said, because I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm sorry, I hate for you to leave. You don't, you don't have to tithe here. You can still come here. You don't have to tithe at all. And nobody's going to ever say anything to you. Nobody will ever check on your giving and, and send you a letter and why are you not giving it? No, never, because it's not about money. It's about a belief system in what God said to do. And you know what he said? He said, the tithe is his. That's what he said. And if we'll bring it in, watch it. And, the, and I, I'm telling you, my faith for the devourer being rebuked, my faith in my prayers for you ever, all the time, that's what I'm seeing. I see that. I see you through being a tither. And I see that the devourer cannot devour you. He cannot be effective and accomplish anything against your life because you're a, because you're a tither. And, and that, 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 with my faith for that, I see you on top and not underneath. But it's something that you have to believe in. You have to believe it. There's a couple of verses of Scripture that I, I want to look at, and I want to make this point today, and then I'm going to look at the second point. And um, in Acts chapter 7... <clears throat> Acts chapter 7 and verse um, 44. And I, want you to, I want you to see three time periods here talked about in these few verses of Scripture. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed, as he appointed instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern that he had seen, which our fathers having received it in turn, also brought Joshua into the land possessed by the Gentiles whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favor before God and asked to, to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet said. Heaven is my throne... The earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? Now, what he's talking about in Acts here, he's talking about the tabernacle in the wilderness that Moses erected. He's talking about the temple that David paid for and Solomon built. And he's talking about the church on this side. And he said this, However, the Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. If you and I quit coming to this building, and this building just sat here, God's not going to reside in here. Why is God here? Because we're here, right? You and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost. God dwells on the inside of us. This place without us is nothing. But this place with us is the house where the house meets. 
It is the house of God, the church, the body of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. Because look what he says. This is God said this. Heaven's my throne, and, uh, and the earth is my uh, footstool. I mean, this thing is massive. The heaven is his throne, and it's like you can see his foot on a footrest. And that's what heaven is like in, in, to, to God. He said, heaven's my footstool. What house can you and I build? What can we build? If we're building something because we think that God can't move without a building, God can move anywhere. But what is the thing about a place? We're in our provision projects, and and we've encouraged you to sow into that. And Malachi talks not only about the tithe, but about offerings. And as you're doing that because you believe in it, it positions you to be on the receiving end of God's empowerment and His blessing on your life to move forward so that you advance and you prosper as the house is prospering. And when I say the house, I'm talking about the collective gathering of those who are the temple of God. So what house can we build for God? Only what God empowers us to prosper in and to build. That's the house. Not like we're doing something for God. I mean, he's built everything here. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I mean, this is, I mean, in God's eyes, this is just kind of a little dot. You know, at, at Christmas time, we talked about the galaxies and and, and, and all the planets and the stars and, and, and the numbers of them. I mean, they're endless, and God knows when one falls and, and it's gone. I mean, that's God. We can't build anything for Him that's going to be impressive. What He wants us to do is live our lives by faith in God. And only by faith can you be a tither. Only by faith can you be a seed sower. But I can't tell you how vitally important it is for you being set up to be a giver in every area of your life when you honor God in the tithe and you can sow seed. There's something liberating about it. Another verse of Scripture um, found in, this, this is a powerful verse, found in uh, Hebrews 3 and verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end, as we hold to what? To his promises, to do what he says, to be a doer of his word, to honor the promises and to believe them and make them a part of us because we're the house of Jesus. We're the house that Jesus built. So when we're building something here and we're making something available for people out there that have no understanding of God to come to receive from the things of God, when we're making those kind of things available, we already need to be making it available when we're out there. So when they come here, they have ears open and ready to receive all that God has for them. That's why we build places like this, for no other reason. That's why we want the grounds pretty and something inviting where people want to come. That's the reason why. Can you say amen? And in 
1 Timothy 3.15, and we've read this many times. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church. The house of God is the church, which is the house. Uh, Say this after me. I am the house. You're the house of God. But collectively, we are the house that the devil can't prevail against. If I just think I'm the house and I separate myself from the connection of the house, if I separate myself from that, he can run roughshod over you because you need the connecting parts. You need different ones. This one connected to this one connected to... We need each other. Amen? And when we're connected that way, as this says, the house of God, which is the church of the living God, it's the pillar and the ground of truth. That's why we're here. That's why we have a place. So we can hear the Word, you can hear this truth today, and then you can hear it, you can take notes, you can go back and listen to it again, you can meditate on it and choose for yourself what it is you're going to believe. Because you're not going to hear this just anywhere. You're not going to hear this in a lot of other institutions and organizations that are in the world that are good institutions and organizations. Just in higher learning organizations, you're not going to necessarily hear this type of a truth, so you need this place. You and I need this place because of what is being presented and, and what, what's being put out there so that you can begin to alter thinking that needs to be altered so you can embrace the truth of God and really believe it for yourself, not just do it or not do it because you don't, your head doesn't like it. Do it or not do it because of what you choose in your heart. But you have to have the information. And the last verse with this point, and then I'll look at point two and then I'll be done, is 1 Peter 2 and 5. And it says, You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, ultimately, who you are is a spiritual house. This is the natural house where the spiritual house meets. But what's happening is when you stay true and you hold fast to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of the house that you and I are, As He's building us continually, as we lay hold of the promises, we become that spiritual house that the devil cannot reckon with. He he cannot deal with it. The enemy cannot do anything where your house is concerned when you realize, first and foremost, you've got to grow spiritually. And when you're growing spiritually, you put value on this place because of what we do here. We don't put value on it because, you know, of how big it is or how much it costs or this or what. We put value on it because of what we do here. What do we do here? We center everything around the Word. The Word is the pillar of truth that establishes that spiritual house so that the natural house can be effective out there and affect the people. But it's got to all happen from the inside out. Can you say amen? And that's why I, 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 I don't really know any other way to say it than this, that as 
you become a stronger tither. When I'm, when I'm saying that, when I, when I say a stronger tither, when your revelation of being a tither becomes stronger, your understanding of the house of God will expand. And it will continue to evolve when you find yourself in that place because God said, he doesn't desire for us to be doing something with an amount of income that belongs to him that is not pleasing to him. But we've got to get that revelation. We've got to get that understanding. And when we have that understanding, it causes us to be under an open heaven that causes a flow that cannot be stopped. And I really believe that. And I'm, I'm encouraging you to believe that to another level in your life. How many say amen to that? Amen. amen. Second thing is, and we've been talking about it for the last week or so, and it's what the theme of the National Day of Prayer was, was walking in love with one another and really understanding what walking in love is. In um, <clears throat> John 13 and 34, he said, um, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And the key to it, as I've shared, as I shared in the last couple of services, the key to it is knowing how that he loved you. Um, the more that, I've, that I know how much God loves me and that he has my life in his hand, you, you realize, you know, people take a scripture in the Bible that talks about that, you know, God, the, the, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. So that means... Just whatever decision people make, that the Lord made and made, made, made that king make that decision. But I don't see that, and you have to look at the whole context of, of that verse of Scripture. But in what we're talking about here, that I don't see people understanding the love that God has for them, first and foremost... What I see is people attempting to understand how to love. And it's like putting the cart before the horse. You, 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 you can't do one with, with the, the one without the other. You've got to put the horse in its place and the cart in its place. And the horse represents, in our life, it represents understanding how much God loves us. And when I understand that, I'm able to walk out in my life and treat other people and do everything that God tells me to do. Um, this is just an example. I'm using this example based on, on, on me personally and my, my situation, but I'm just using this as an example. Um, when... When you understand how much God loves you and how much he loved you through Jesus Christ giving himself, what happens is 
your life is lived to give. Now, I don't know about you, but living a life giving to other people can be kind of threatening. Because see, if I give too much to somebody, people will take advantage of me. And until you get that mentality out of your life, you won't give unconditionally. But the only way to get to that place is to know how much He loved you. Unconditionally, He loved you to a point that it's, it, you can't even fathom how much God loves you and how much He loved you. But the more I get of that, the more I find myself not thinking of myself. I'm talking about me. The more I understand how much He loved me, the, more I, the less I think about me. A while back, I had something given to me and I put it in my hand, and I was thinking of what I was going to do with it and how I was going to spin what was given to me. And all I was thinking about was me. Now, it was given to me for me, okay? So you think, well, if it was given to me for me, then I should spend it on me. But I was going somewhere to think about how I was going to spend what I had, and as I was going, I heard the Lord say, spend that on someone else. I mean, did God actually say that? Would God tell you to spend something that is for you on someone else? I'm just talking about me. And it went a little bit farther than that, and it's gone a little bit farther than that since the time God spoke that to me. And this is what he said to me. I'm talking about God saying this to me. And this is what he said. I don't want you to do anything for yourself. I don't want you to do anything. I don't want you to spend any. I don't want you to think about anything for yourself. You have to be at a place, when God speaks things like that to you, you're at a place where you can receive it, or He wouldn't speak it to you. Now, you have to choose to accept it and say that that's really God showing you that, or not. I mean, what does it look like to never think about yourself and never do anything for yourself? Could that be God? I mean, is, is, is that scriptural? So I want to read this passage. I'm going to read it out of the message. This is 1 John 4 and verse 7 out of the Message Bible. My my beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. 
The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can know if you don't love. This is how God showed us His love for us. God sent His only Son into the world so we might live through Him. Everybody say live. This is, this is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear friend, my dear, dear friends, if God so loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other like this. No one has ever seen God ever, but if we love one another, if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us and His love becomes complete in us, that perfect love. The perfect love becomes complete in us. So, what He said there was for us to love the way He loved us. Not one time, not one time in His three and a half years of ministry do we ever have Scripture quotation of Jesus thinking about Himself. Not one time in three and a half years of ministry did He think about Himself other than the thoughts he had about what he was going to have to endure at the cross. But he cast those thoughts down and gave no place to them and only did the will of the Father. When I heard that that day, it was just a simple little thing. I mean, it was a something, it was a hundred dollars, you know, that I had in my hand. And when I took that and I spent it, on someone else that God told me to spend it on. It did something in me. Not that, I mean, I've done that, those kind of things forever and ever. But something happened that day where I made a commitment to God. I'm never thinking about myself again. God told me and continues to tell me, and, and I'm telling you today, that if we don't cover ourselves and we let God cover us, everything is taken care of. Because in His promises, He meets all of our needs according to His riches and glory. Not only that, He gives us our heart's desires and He brings those to pass. But the key is we have to be walking in His love. And the Scripture says, we've read it here lately, that in these two commandments... Everything is summed up. These two commandments. What are they? You love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and you love your neighbor like you love yourself. The only way to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul is to walk in love the way that Jesus walked in love. And the more I understand that and how to do that, the more I become complete in what God wants to do with me on the earth. When I say me, I'm talking about humanity. God wants to do great things in your life and through you. And I'm telling you today, there's two things that I've realized in my own life that have to be real to me. Number one, being a tither. 
because of the promises and everything that goes with that. And number two, loving my neighbor as myself. To walk in love with one another the way that God loved me with. And when I understand that and when I see that and it's clear to me what that looks like, there's no end to what God, God can do and what can be established. I want to read this last passage out of the Message Bible in Galatians 5, verse 13. <clears throat> it is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Absolutely clear. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do, ever, to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. I was going to ask you a question, but I'm not going to ask you this question. I'm going to tell you this is what it is. Most people can't handle being free. Most people can. You know why? When I say most people, I'm talking about most people on the planet. They can't handle being free because they turn their opportunity for freedom to themselves. Most people can't handle being free because they don't know God. They've not learned what walking in love is really all about. The power of walking in the love of God positions me to be on the receiving end of everything God has for me. But you've got to understand that. You've got to believe that or, or, or you will attempt to do something like that and then get mad at God because it appears it doesn't work. It works if you stay with it, come hell or high water, no matter how many ugly situations you find yourself in, it works. He said, rather use your freedom to give someone else that $100. I'm talking, you remember the, the story I gave, that was my story. doesn't mean you have to do it like that. That was my story. But what you do have to do is be open to hear what God tells you to do. Because the more I live my life to give, the more I'm in a position to receive, to give more, to receive more, 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 to give more. But then you'll receive more. Yeah, but then you'll give more. Yeah, but then you'll receive more. Yeah, but then you'll give more. But what about receiving? Then what about giving? You'd be so this way, you, you, one over, overlaps the other. Because you're so busy serving, giving, doing for others. Rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. Freedom grows. Amen? For everything we know about God's Word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you will be annihilating each other, and where will your precious freedom be then? 
whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I said to you Wednesday night, those of you that were here Wednesday night, that God keeps saying to me that my life, my family, this church, all the places that I'm connected to, that He desires for me to do my part in making sure that where I live, it's a strife and a it, it's a strife and a confusion and, and a division-free environment. No strife, no division. Why? Because we're so busy walking in love and thinking about other people. How can you be busy? The only reason there's division and strife is because people are thinking about themselves. It's just the truth. I know. Believe me, I know. When you're about you, strife and division is open because somebody is going to be mad at somebody else. But when I'm walking in love with every single person, there's no strife, there's no division. It becomes a strife and divided environment. Strife-free and divided environment. No, no, No strife, no division of any kind. Can you say amen to that?